fans, and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Sports Podcasting Network. This podcast today is brought to you by Untuckit.com and Manscaped. Thank you to them for sponsoring the show, and thank you for joining me on this episode of Bulls HQ. One where I'm guessing the tone of the show will be slightly different to the to the last one we did. Uh, that last one I'm referring to was with my old friend C-Red Fred. We came at you guys after a pretty disparaging loss to the Indiana Pacers. And at that point, the Bulls had fallen to 2-5. and five. Fred was on fire. He was mad. He was pissed off. We all were mad, to be honest with you. Bulls Nation was a light based on how the Bulls had performed in that game, given the, the Pacers were missing three starters. It didn't get much better the other night against the Lakers, the Bulls dropping that game. I wasn't expecting a win against the Lakers, and you probably weren't either, but I guess the fashion in which they dropped that game and the turmoil in that fourth quarter period with Jim Boyle, and I mean, Bulls Nation, again, was a light based on how that game unfolded. So the last few days for, for us fans have been quite tough, but I'm glad to be coming at you tonight after a win rather than yesterday after that Interesting loss to the Lakers. I'm glad to be back here on Bulls HQ speaking about a 20-point win against the Atlanta Hawks. We'll also touch on that Lakers game to a degree. I don't necessarily want to go over it too much because I've, I've been having that particular game play over in my mind way too much. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to move on from that game, but I'm glad we can actually get to, to talk about a win for a change. That is nice to say. The Bulls are now 3-6. and six. We all know that, sh- that that record should be a lot better, but I'll take three and six at this point. Because who knows, it could have easily been two and seven had the Hawks come into this game with a full strength lineup. Thankfully for us, I guess, that John Collins decided to take some performance enhancing drugs and that cost him a 25 game suspension and that enabled the Bulls to have a little bit of an easier run at the Atlanta Hawks tonight. As well as the Hawks opting to play Jabari Parker and Cameron Reddish in their starting unit, I appreciate the Hawks doing that because those two players are not good. <laughs> so particularly Cam Reddish, I am glad he is not a Chicago Bull. And I felt that way before the draft. I felt that way during the draft. And I'm glad the Hawks were able to take Cam Reddish with their number 10 pick in the draft. I felt somewhat scared by this Hawks rebuild and the way they were sort of progressing their rebuild. But when they decided to take DeAndre Hunter at 4 and then Cam Reddish at 10... I was quite happy that they wasted two top 10 picks on those players, two players that are not super high on, Reddish specifically. So that was nice to see that the Hawks were starting Reddish and Hunter. Reddish was terrible against the Bulls today. I have no idea what he was doing out there, but that enabled the Bulls to get out there and essentially play four and five basketball. And from the get-go, the Bulls looked like the better of the team, even though both teams were coming off a of back-to-back and it was the Bulls that were actually traveling to Atlanta they, for whatever reason, after a tough loss against the Lakers and the Hawks, having a nice win against the Spurs only 24 hours earlier, it was actually the Bulls who played a much more complete and free-flowing style of basketball, which is interesting to see. So, thankfully, the Bulls got the win, shooting 50% from the field, almost 40% from the three-point line. That free throws are still a concern, 18 of 27. That is something that needs to be corrected. But pretty much all over the box scores, the Bulls won the rebounding battle. They had more assists. They had less turnovers. It was a pretty complete performance from the Chicago Bulls, all aside from Wendell Carter, unfortunately. You know, you guys know that I love me some Wendell Carter, but he fouled out of this one after 13 minutes, and I'm claiming conspiracy Bulls fans. I have no idea what the NBA refs have against my boy Wendell Carter, but this is a load of shit at this point. He is getting fouled out on some of the worst calls that you will see for an NBA center going out there. 
I, I, I don't understand why it is. He's no longer a rookie. He, he's actually getting fouls called against him when actual rookies are fouling him. There was two plays, one where he blocked DeAndre Hunter clean and Wendell Carter was called for that foul. And there was another one, his last foul actually, where he was called for an offensive foul against Cam Reddish. I mean, how are you calling that in favor for Reddish over Carter? It's, it's, it's ridiculous at this point. I don't know why this is continuing to happen. But I guess the fact that Carter was fouled out, as, out of the game, that was the lone blemish in this, this Bulls win against the Hawks. And it was a needed win. I, I don't know how much we should be celebrating this win. I will reluctantly take the W or maybe not reluctantly. I'll, I'm happy to take the the W, but I'm, I'm reluctant to read too much into this win because the Hawks were really, really bad. I mean, I mentioned up, up the top who they were missing. Losing John Collins hurts the Hawks because it's Trey Young's pick and roll partner. So that's one issue. But then when the fact when you replace someone like John Collins, who's pretty much a 2010 player at this point with someone like Jabari Parker, who can be quite problematic as we've all come to see, that's kind of a double loss, so to speak. So I was happy to see that as a Bulls fan, that made getting this W a lot easier. And that clearly made life a lot easier for Larry Markner, who had one of his better games of the season, 17 points, 6 of 11 shooting. He was 4 from 7 from 3, so that was nice to see. 5 rebounds, 4 assists, plus 19 on the game. So Lowry looked like the Lowry of old to a degree. So I was happy that Jabari was starting because there's nothing like going up against Jabari Parker to get you back into some form. So that was good to see Larry out there. Tomas Sadoransky, though, was probably the story of the game. He had his best game, maybe of his career, actually. 27 points, 7 rebounds, 8 assists. He was instrumental in actually stopping Trey Young. So the way the Bulls decided to guard Trey Young was to really play hard on him, blitz him, using that blitz coverage that I've sort of have come to detest at this point, but I think it was actually the right kind of strategy against a guard like Trey Young, particularly when John Collins is out of the lineup. You almost want to blitz Trey Young at that point, get the ball out of his hands and force it back into someone like Cam Reddish's hands, DeAndre Hunter, one of these guys, and force those players to, to make a play, something that they clearly can't do at this point in their careers. So that was the right strategy defensively against Trey Young and Sadoransky was a big part in curtailing Young, as was Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn was actually quite damn good in this game. 13 points, 5 steals, 6 of 8 shooting as well from Chris Dunn. So he's quietly actually had himself a pretty solid season, Chris Dunn. He deserves some love. But yeah, Sadoransky was the story in this game. His best game as a ball, 4 from 5 from the 3-point line as well. And slowly but surely, Sadoransky here is starting to get a little bit more comfortable. And as he's getting a bit more more comfortable within the system, he's looking more aggressive. And, and we obviously saw that tonight against the Atlanta Hawks. Obviously, it's a lot easier to be aggressive when you're matched up against Trey Young, a small guard and definitely not a good defensive player. But this was the type of a performance Sadoransky was capable of. And I'm glad he was able to show tonight because the Bulls needed it from him. And he kind of needed that performance too. So it was good to see that from Sato. Glad that he was able to show up in the way he did. And the Bulls just had a pretty complete game. I mentioned Chris Dunn. He was really good off the bench. Thad Young was solid off the bench, as he typically always is. Not huge numbers, but he was just his typical solid self. Only 19 minutes. I would have liked to see that go up a little bit. But given it was a blowout, I guess it's not that big of a deal. Kobe White, interesting game. There was there was moments where he looked quite good, more, more so in the first half. But 3 of 13 shooting, not Kobe's best performance. But the interesting aspect really of this game was, I guess, the adjustments that Coach Boylan made in this game post the Lakers debacle, which I referenced before. We were all heated, like I said, 
And we were heated more so not because of the result. Like we, we weren't expecting the Bulls to beat the Lakers. I don't think anyone had that expectation. Even when they had a commanding double-digit lead, I think we all expected LeBron and AD to will that Lakers team back at some point. But it, it's, it's more the process that has been bothering us and the decision-making from player and coach all round. And the decision-making from, from Boylan in that Lakers game was quite bad from a rota- rotational standpoint, from a play-calling standpoint, all of it. It didn't make sense, but I guess he corrected some of that in this Hawks game. I don't know why we had to go through the pain of suffering what we did against the Lakers when those adjustments were clear to everyone as to what needed to be made. I don't know why he couldn't make them in-game. Obviously, he decided to reflect on his performance against the Lakers and made those changes, but... We got to see some some changes against the Hawks, which I liked. I want to touch on them in more detail. But before we do, I want to quickly take a word from our sponsors. First up, let me tell you about Untuck It. The holidays are almost here, and you know what that means. Gifts. And what better gift to give the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right? Unlike most brands, Untucked shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untucked shirts always fall at that just right length, no matter what his size. So he looks casual and sharp. I don't know about you guys, but I do most of my shopping online these days, and that always comes with risks, but you don't have that risk at all with Untucket, because every time I have purchased using Untucket, I've had no issues at all with sizing, with fit, none of that. With more than 50 plus fit combinations, Untucket shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite Untucket style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untucket, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. Best of all, their website is super easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untucket is the way to go. Visit untucket.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at the checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com and use promo code BLUE for 20% off. Let me also tell you about Manscaped. Support for Blue Eye comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Now, if you're anything like me, we all know protecting our family jewels when it comes to manscaping downstairs is of utmost importance. Using the wrong blade or the wrong tool for the job can leave you in a drastic state. Trust me when I say that, folks. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. And as we all know, you shouldn't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just nasty. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BLUEWIRE. All right, back to the show now. And I wanted to talk adjustments because I felt like that was probably the biggest talking point of this game for the Bulls. And what Boylan was able to do and the changes he was able to to make 
I won't, I won't say directly influenced the result of this game, but it certainly helped in terms of mapping out what the Bulls potentially could be doing going forward. So I mentioned adjustments. That is the biggest outcome from the Lakers game. And Boylan made a few changes. And the notable ones to my eyes, at least, was the fact that he had limited his rotation to nine players, which was interesting to see given post-game against the Lakers. He came out and said that, He was all about developing all 15 players on the roster. He was all about developing that bench unit and playing that bench unit extended minutes. So that was his justification for not making any adjustments or not calling any timeouts during that Lakers game when they went on that 16-0 run. And that's when all the ruckus started online, I suppose. But he made those comments post the Lakers game, but I guess contradicted himself in the sense that he did limit his rotation against the Hawks. He didn't necessarily develop or play his bench unit that much until junk time, really. So I I don't understand that element from, from Boylan's comments, but he made the right decision nonetheless in terms of limiting his rotation. And by doing that, he's, he's basically cut his 10 or 11 man rotation down to nine, meaning Luke Cornett is probably going to be shelved here, which is a good decision and makes sense to do so. He'll only probably play in junk time and or situational matchups or like we saw today against the Hawks, should Wendell Carter foul out, those sorts of situations. So Boylan wisely decided to do that, meaning he's now running with a three-man, big-man unit in the front court with Wendell Carter, Larry Markton, and Thad Young. So that is clearly the right decision, and that makes sense because they're the three... Well, they're three of the five best players the Bulls have on the roster. Those those guys should be playing the, the majority of the minutes up front. But more importantly, the Bulls should probably be playing Thad Young more minutes than what they actually have been playing. Like I mentioned before, only 19 minutes against the Hawks. We only had 17 minutes against the Lakers, which is kind of ridiculous considering Thad is... He came into Chicago to be a six-man, but he didn't necessarily come here to be playing bit minutes to even to the point where Luke Cornett was actually matching him in minutes. Luke Cornett had 17 minutes against the Lakers as well, which is just ridiculous. So removing those minutes from Cornett giving more to Thad Young and mixing up the front court with more minutes with Larry Markin at center. That is the correct decision, and that will be an inevitable, I guess, adjustment Boylan does have now that he has limited his rotation to nine players. But I think another key takeaway from this change as well is Chandler Hutchinson has clearly taken Ryan Archidiakono's place in the rotation, which... As you all probably know at this point, Ryan Archie Diakno is one of my favorites on this team. It hurts me to see him out of the rotation, but it is the right call. Hutchinson deserves to be in there. He needs to be in there. The Bulls need his rebounding and, and athleticism on the wing. And the Bulls basically needed to get rid of that three-guard lineup. So instead of playing Kobe White and Chris Dunn with Archie Diakno in that second unit, you've now got Hutchinson in there. And the Bulls just look a lot faster, a lot quicker, and a lot more mobile on defense. So that makes a lot more sense. And Hutchinson was pretty good in his second game back. He's clearly still feeling himself out. He missed a few layups. He missed a huge dunk. So he's still getting his legs underneath him. But he had nine points, four rebounds, and played some solid defense. So Hutchinson has been a welcome addition to the rotation. So Boylan has made the right decision there in terms of going with Hutchinson instead of Archie Diakono, instead of Denzel Valentine or any other option that he may have wanted to go there, maybe even Shaq Harrison on the wing. Hutchinson clearly is in there and and he should be in there. But I guess the three-guard lineup wasn't completely dead in this, in, this, in this Hawks game because we did see 
Ryan Archidiakno actually closed the first half with Tomas Sadoransky and Zach Levine. And I guess the reason for that, we didn't know it at the time, but Otto Porter actually sustained a foot contusion during this Hawks game, which is a shame because Porter had 13 points in 12 minutes, all of those 12 minutes coming in the first half, three or four from the three-point line. So we actually had a good Otto Porter performance, but unfortunately he hurt his foot. So hopefully that isn't a long-term thing. Hopefully... Well, it won't be a long-term thing, but hopefully it doesn't keep him out against the game on Saturday against the Rockets. But that is something certainly to monitor, and we may we may see more of those three-guard lineups if if Otto Porter is actually out. Chandler Hutchinson started the second half in place of Otto Porter, but that meant Archie Diakno stayed in the rotation for the second half, playing in those three-guard lineups. And even Boylan was throwing out some four-guard lineups out there at some point, so... He has been mixing it up a bit in this game, so he clearly has the ability to make adjustments. I don't know why he can't do that in-game and why he has to wait for another game or two to, to surpass before making the right choice, but those were the key changes that Boylan had made between the Lakers and Hawks game, and they were the right choices. So, like I said, I don't know why we had to go through the pain of living through that through the Lakers game, but he made the right choices against the Hawks, and I'm pleased to say he did because... The Bulls looked a lot better. They looked a lot more crisp. The players were able to stay in their rotations a lot longer and, and get a bit of a rhythm. So I like that aspect. The, I guess the one thing that is bothering me with the rotation right now is the fact that Wendell Carter is still getting benched really early. So one of the what, one of the rotational decisions Boylan is making is, is having Wendell Carter come out of the of the game in the first five minutes and that happened against the Hawks and by doing so with their balls of shifting Larry Markin up to center and then obviously having Thad Young come in at power forward and against a team like the Hawks who were undersized without Collins and don't really have a lot of front court help, you can get away with doing that. But I like the idea of pairing Markin and Carter a little bit longer, maybe the first seven minutes of the first quarter. But I also like the idea of actually having Wendell Carter stay in the first quarter and having Larry Markin come out earlier that way, you can put Blauri Markkinen into the second unit and stagger his minutes with Zach Levine. I, I know that's something I've mentioned on this show before. I've had that idea on here before, so that isn't something new I've suggested. But I like that idea. I like having Larry in the second unit with with the bench guys, with Kobe White, with Don Hutchinson and, and Thad Young. I think that makes more sense than running a all-defense unit almost with Carter, Thad, Don Hutchinson and White. I think that probably that lineup itself isn't balanced enough. But I also like the idea of pairing Carter and Levine because those two guys have a really nice connection and bond as a, as a bit of a two-man unit on simple simple pick-and-roll plays. And and they established that bond when when Markkinen and Dunn were actually out at the start of last season. So they've, they've built up that rapport between each other. But coincidentally, Larry Markkinen and Chris Dunn, we've seen them play good minutes together as well when, when Zach Levine was out during their first season of the rebuild, nursing his ACL. So it kind of makes all sense all around. That's probably the one adjustment I would like Boylan to, to make, to flip the rotation a little bit as to which big man he takes out first. I would prefer to see that be Larry Markkinen than Wendell Carter, but I guess that's my, it's a minor grievance that I have. So I won't labor on that point too much, but that's something to monitor more broadly along with all those other rotational adjustments I spoke about. But yeah, look, I think Boylan was much better in this game and I'm glad he was because well, like I said, we were all a rage post that Lakers game. What he was doing in that game was kind of ridiculous, and his justification for doing so after the game made it even worse. So seeing those changes was uh, a welcome sight to see, and I think it had some effect on the, the role result of the game. But like I said before, I'm not going to jump to conclusions 
about this specific win. Obviously, we're happy that the Bulls recorded their third win of the year. They moved to three and six, but like I said, the Hawks were pretty damn bad. Trey Young was really, really bad. A lot of that was to do with the Bulls' defense. The way they were blitzing him and making him give up the ball, I thought the defense on Trey Young was outstanding by the Bulls. He didn't hit any threes tonight, zero from eight, so that was nice defense from the Bulls on Young. And once you get the ball out of Young's hand, the Hawks just have really no other playmaker on the team that you can really fear or is really going to drive that fear into a defense. So, that was good defense in itself. So I guess it's kind of ironic because I've also been on here claiming that Boiler needs to mix up his pick and roll defensive coverage. But if you are going to blitz, this is kind of the matchup that it actually does make some sense against, against rather than someone like Derrick Rose an example, as an example. So I like the way the Bulls guarded Trey Young. I like the way they made inferior players make the plays. And because of that, those players who aren't used to making plays were actually turning over the ball a ton. 24 turnovers, as I mentioned before, for the Hawks. That's a huge number, and that helped fuel the Bulls' offense. And by getting out in transition and moving the ball well like the Bulls did, 26 assists the Bulls had on their 41 field goal attempts, it enabled a lot of the roster to actually get involved. The Bulls actually had six players in double figures, which meant Zach Levine didn't necessarily have to press offensively like he has been doing in the past. He only took 10 shots in 30 minutes. He wasn't out there looking for his own shot. He was more than comfortable letting his teammates actually get the ball and, and to make things happen themselves on offense. So Zach deserves some credit for that. I thought his defense was actually pretty good tonight. Two steals, two blocks, and was more active defensively there was still some obviously some head scratching plays off ball as it typically will always be that Zach Levine was much better on defense and I guess he can be when he's when he isn't necessarily having to carry the load offensively so even though Zach only had 10 points on 10 shots eight rebounds two steals two blocks there's some decent numbers from Levine so I thought he had a pretty good performance as well but that pretty much wraps up my view of this Bulls W it was a good win one that the team needed to have but in addition to that, I I don't know if this is me just talking myself back into the team or trying to justify the, the remaining 70-odd games that still are upon us in this new season, but I was thinking prior to this Hawks game and post the Lakers game and, and trying to make sense of it all, and I was... I still don't think this Bulls team is as bad as what they seem to be. And I think it all comes down to decision-making and making the right decisions at the right time as something they clearly haven't been doing. They've been blowing a whole bunch of leads as we all come to know. I know some of us were expecting them to blow the, this double-digit lead that they quickly established against the Hawks, but, but the Hawks were just so bad that that was never in doubt. I don't know. I don't think the Bulls, even though their record says three and six, even though they've played some pretty inferior teams and they've given up some bad losses here, I don't think they are as bad as what they seem. And I wanted to make that and put that on the record because I know Fred and I went off the handle in the last episode a little bit and we were calling out the team, we we're calling out the players, we we're calling out the coach, but I, I don't think the Bulls are as bad as what they seem. And I say that despite a tough couple games coming up for them here obviously they got the Houston Rockets on Saturday the Knicks on Tuesday which should be a win but thereafter they've got the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks twice so it's got it's still a tough five games coming up here for the Bulls but I still don't think they're as bad as what they are and the way I've sort of been reconciling that in my mind and Maybe, again, I'm, I'm just trying to justify this all to myself, but I look at a team like the Phoenix Suns this season or even the Sacramento Kings last year, and 
It just feels like this Bulls team isn't really that far removed from a talent perspective as those teams. It's to the point where we see the Suns. They obviously started the season damn well. They've had some impressive victories. They've obviously beaten the Clippers. They've beaten the the Philadelphia 76ers, two teams who arguably may be facing off in the NBA Finals. So the Suns have been damn good, and they haven't necessarily made that many adjustments to their roster. They've obviously brought in Australian Aaron Baines, and he has been damn good, and I've been happy to see him playing so well. And and Ricky Rubio, too. They're the major roster additions the Suns have made, and they've been able to sustain a winning performance based on defense, based on simplicity, based on using their players in the right way, in the right schemes, and just making the right decisions all around. And it's made their existing young talent look better than what maybe we thought they were. I mean, Devin Booker has been absolutely insane this season. Mikael Bridges looks very good still. He's going to be a good player. Kali Oubre has come out of nowhere. And look, he always had talent, but he's been a nice role player for them. Obviously, DeAndre Ayton is missing right now, given he's also out for serving a 25-game suspension because he also tested positive for a banned substance as well. But it's just interesting to me to see how perceptions of specific rebuilds can quickly change once you get the right pieces in place. And those pieces can be veterans, they can be the right role players, but they can also be the right coach who implements the right system at the right time. And obviously, on this show, I haven't necessarily been pro-boiling. I've justified that, I think, pretty well as to why I'm why I haven't been pro-boiling and I think the start of this season has been more than fair in that sense and it all comes back to his pick and roll coverage but I I say all that to I guess suggest that the Phoenix Suns in some way are an interesting test case for the Chicago Bulls it's not something I expected to say given that how bad the Suns have been operating for the last sort of five to seven years I mean in a lot of ways they've been worse than the Bulls their ownership is probably worse than the Bulls their front office has been damn deplorable over the last few years but all of a sudden in one offseason they've been able to flick the switch on a couple of good decisions and those decisions despite that ownership group still being in place it has enabled that young roster to look a lot better than what they can be and I just wonder if that can happen here in Chicago to the point where we've been a little bit harsh on Larry Markin or maybe not harsh actually we've been just our frustration has been justified on Larry Marker, and he hasn't been good, but I, I also don't think he has regressed or forgotten how to play basketball. Obviously, something's up with Larry Marker, but he's not this bad. We've seen him be better. I don't think this is the norm for him going forward. The same applies with Zach Levine, too. We've seen him be better. He was very good for the Bulls last season. He was great for the Bulls in preseason. We've seen him play much better than what he has been thus far during the season. Same applies to Otto Porter, too. Thad Young and Sadoransky. Obviously, prior to today, Sadoransky hadn't been playing that well for the Bulls. But I just wonder if they get the right people in play, the right system in play that suits these players, that... Maybe the perception of this rebuild comes back around and maybe we start talking ourselves back into the players on this roster and maybe we're not all jumping off the deep end like we have been doing. And again, maybe I'm just saying all that to justify to myself the uh, the amount of hours that I'll be pouring into this team over the coming few months here. But I don't know, I still feel somewhat high on this Bulls team. I don't think they're as bad as what they've played. I, I, I don't think it's a championship con- contender, obviously, at any point. But I still think they can obviously be better than what they can be. And we were all justified to be excited about this Bulls team coming into the season. I think we all had reasons to be, even though they haven't obviously performed during the opening nine games of the season. But I don't know. 
Am, am I being too optimistic here? That's not usually my lane. I, I like to keep it real. That's what I tell myself. Some people tell me I'm a, I'm a pessimist, but I don't know. I, th- I think there's still some upside in this Bulls team. They haven't been as bad as what they have showed. I, I just wonder. Uh, I think this is going to be a theme throughout the season. I, I don't think Boylan is the right man for the job. I think he's... I think I've made that pretty clear as to where I stand on the matter. And I think based on what we've seen thus far during the regular season, that point has been justified. Maybe that changes over the coming months. But look, I I don't know. But I I can't help but look at the Phoenix Suns at the moment or the Dallas Mavericks or a range of other rebuilding squads and just see that they've got everything lined up correctly. They've got the right people in the right spots. And it just seems to make more sustainable sense. Whereas maybe the Bulls here haven't got that in place but i don't know tell me what you think about that hit me up on twitter at mk hoops let me know what you think am i off on that should we still be optimistic about this Bulls squad is it insane to be comparing the Bulls to the phoenix suns a a team that have been uh, well far worse than the Bulls have over the last sort of five years maybe i'm reaching on both fronts but i I don't know i'm talking myself into it now even though fred and i were going a bit nuts the other day i I still think there is upside in this Bulls team they're much better than what they've shown and hopefully now they can turn it around despite the schedule getting a little bit tougher from here on out but that's all i have time for today Bulls fans appreciate you tuning into this quick pod i wanted to get it out there and to talk about this hawks game It's, it's just nice to be talking about a win for a change it's nice to see Larry Markinen bounce back somewhat and, and have himself a good performance because we, we all know he's not as bad as what he's shown thus far. So I think the best is still to come for Larry Markinen and hopefully that comes soon. And maybe with these rotational adjustments that Boylan has made, then maybe that'll help him sort of up speed his season here and get back on track. But like I said, that's all I've got time for on this episode of the show. Thank you for tuning in, Bulls fans. Follow me on Twitter. I've mentioned it before, at MK Hoops. Follow the show on Twitter too, at Bulls HQ Pod. If you want to be part of the Bulls HQ Discord channel, we're almost up to 100 Bulls fans up in there, actually. I want you to be part of it. So hit me up on the email, bullshqpod at gmail.com. If you want to be part of the Discord channel, send me an email. I'll give you the link. If you just want to send me an email, if you've got a question, if you want to get a question on the show, Happy to read them out on here. So send them through to the email address and hit me up on there. Hit me up on Twitter, whatever it may be. But follow the show and be on the lookout for the next episode. We'll be probably be back early next week wrapping up the Houston Rockets game. Hopefully that is a W as well. We'll see how that one goes. But until then, this has been Bulls HQ. Speak soon, Bulls fans. Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.